You're listening to Life UPC Richmond Hills Audiocast. Lord, thank you, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory, God. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> what a mighty and awesome move of God in this place already that our usher, our, our, our praise team helped us to usher in this morning. Thank you, guys. Hallelujah. You guys do such a wonderful and awesome job leading us in worship. Thank you. And how could we not give him all the praise and, and glory that's due to him? Hallelujah. Where, think about where he's brought you from. Come on now. Somebody tell me right now. That when I think about where God has brought me from, oh, thank you, Jesus, where he delivered me out of the mess that I was in, drugs and, 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 and all kinds of mess, and, and where my family was, oh, thank you, Jesus, for delivering me from that mess, oh, God. Hallelujah, Jesus. And if he can do it for me, if he can do it for you, he can do it for anybody. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. He is so good. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. I'm going to be reading this morning from, I'm going to be reading a lot out of 1 Samuel chapter 17. My opening verses will be at uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 45 through 47. If you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 45 through 47. If you don't have your Bibles with me with you, let me tell you, you should. Amen. <laughs> and it, but if not, Sister Shakira's got it right up here on the screen. Praise God. Thank you, Sister Shakira, for always doing an awesome and wonderful job with our media. Praise the Lord. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 45 says, then, Dave, then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword, and with a spear, and with a shield. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. <clears throat> Verse 46, David says, This day will the Lord deliver you into my hand. And I will smite thee and take thine head from thee. And I will give the carcass of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beast of the earth that all the earth may know <clears throat> that there is a God in Israel. And verse 47 says, And all this assembly, everybody here, shall know that the Lord saveth not with the sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you unto our hands. Praise God. Hallelujah. <clears throat> I want to preach to you folks this morning a little bit about when David meets Goliath. When David meets Goliath. Praise God. Brother Caleb, would you pray for us this morning? Pray in the name of Jesus, you guide us, Lord. Lead God, help us understand what you're trying to show us, O oh Lord. I pray in the name of Jesus, help the man of God preach your word, O oh God. I pray not only that, that we come in with great expectation, O oh God, that we may preach to other people outside of this church, O oh God. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. 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 Praise God. Give the Lord one hand, one more hand clap of praise this morning. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. When David meets Goliath, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We all know that <coughs> infamous story of David versus Goliath. How many of you in this place don't know? Raise your hand. All right. Praise God. I knew everybody knew that story. David and Goliath. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. When David meets Goliath, I want you to I want to take you back to the beginning of this chapter in first Samuel chapter 17. <clears throat> it says that. And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. Six cubits in a span. So we know that Goliath, the, uh, the research has been done of, of what six cubits of the day was in a span. And it comes out to be about nine foot nine, Goliath was. Nine foot nine. That is pretty tall. If you think about it, think about a basketball goal. That's almost the height of a basketball goal. <clears throat> it's about the height of our ceiling in this, in this church. Yeah, it's about that height. So if you want to know about how tall Goliath was, walk up to the wall and just look up to the top of that. And that would have been at the corner of the ceiling. That would have been Goliath looking down at you. He was a big man. We know that. Back in the day, though, you had big armies. Back in the day, sometimes you would have thousands of men come together in an army. You would have this army come together and this army, and they would come and they would meet at a, at a certain place. And in this case, it was in a valley. And they met the two armies, and they were probably pretty equally matched, because that's back in the day they were. Uh, oftentimes, they were when they were equally matched. This is what they would do. I'm going to tell you, <clears throat> because when they were very equally matched, you would have a lot of casualties. If they went to war and went to battle, they would have a lot of deaths, and no side wanted to see that. No side there. I mean, they were so equally matched. They knew that. It was going to be a very close outcome, and there were going to be a lot of soldiers that were going to die. <clears throat> and so oftentimes what they would do is they would get together. They would gather their army on one side, gather their army on the other side. They would kind of like uh, flex at each other and show their strength and show their numbers and, and, and let each other see how many there were and, and how big and strong they were and everything. And then what would happen is since either side did not really want to fight and, and, and have this many casualties, they would send out their, uh, I guess, captains, and they would, they would probably discuss, turn, and, and say, look, you know, they would try to avoid war at all costs. But when it came down to it, there was, there was this way that they would do things. They would say, okay, we'll get our best man to fight your best man, and that way there's going to be only one casualty. And whoever wins, then the other one has to serve the other. And that's what they did oftentimes, and we don't see it just here in the Bible. We also <clears throat> see it in other literature of the time or even before the time, and, and we see it in, in, in for instance, uh, uh, Homer's The Iliad, uh, or The Odyssey, um, where, um, where's The Iliad? can't remember. It was Homer, and when we have Achilles, and, and, and uh, who was Achilles that fought? Uh, anybody know their Greek? Uh, um, Achilles had to fight Hector, remember? 
uh, they they were going to fight um, to see who won, and, and we know that there was a war anyways that happened after. But we see it often that, that they would choose their champion to go out and fight. It happened oftentimes because they didn't want to have so many casualties. And this is what we see here in this case. In this case, I'm sure that <clears throat> that you had both armies on both sides. We know that because it says it in the word of God. You had a large army of thousands on both sides, and they would come together, and they would talk, and they would discuss, and they would try and negotiate, and it wouldn't work out. And they say, okay, well, then how about this? We're going to send our greatest champion, and, and you send your greatest champion. And so the Philistines picked their greatest champion, and it says there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistine named Goliath, and their champion just happened to be nine foot nine tall. Praise God. He was a giant of a man. Thank you. Oh, praise God. But guess what? And, and you know what? I want to I want to go to the uh, talk a little bit about uh, the typology that we have in the Bible and the the um, symbolism that we have in the Bible a little bit here, too. You see, the Philistines, they kind of represented the enemy because they were the enemy. Right. In this story, they were the enemy, and, and we have an enemy today as well. It's not the physical Philistines that we're fighting, but we do have an enemy. And we, our enemy, as I said over and over again in different sermons, different messages, different teachings, our enemy, we have three major enemies. It's our flesh, right? And, it, and it's the world around us, and it's the great enemy, the devil, and all of his minions. Those are our three main enemies, and and the Philistines kind of represent this in 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 this uh, um, in in the symbolism in this story, and and Goliath he represents the situation that is thrown at the enemies, okay, he or, or at God's people, the situation that the enemy has thrown at God's people because the enemy, the Philistines, has taken Goliath and they threw him out there to represent them to go after God's people, right? Praise God. And then, of course, you had God's chosen people, the Israelites. Guess what? We, too, are God's chosen people. This is symbolic for us today. We are God's chosen people. When we're baptized in the name of Jesus, we take on the name of Jesus. We're <clears throat> um, adopted into the faith. Praise God. So you have a lot of symbolism here. Amen. So the Israelites represent the people of God, right? And then you have David, which we're going to get to. David, the young, young man who would become king. David, he was probably uh, anywhere between the age of 14 to about 17 at this time. That's how old he was. And we know that he was about that age. If you look at the scripture and, and, and you know that he had eight brothers, three of them were in the army. You had to be 20 years old to be in the army. David was the youngest of all the brothers. So you had three older brothers that were older than 20 that were in the army, but he had three other brothers or four other brothers that were older than him, but not quite old enough to be in the army. So they were less than 20. And if David was the youngest, he had to be somewhere probably between the ages of probably 15 to, to 17 years old. So you have David, and David kind of represents you know, we have God's chosen people. 
And that is those who have taken on the name of Jesus. They've been baptized. They've repented of their sins. They've been baptized in the name of Jesus because there's only one name to be baptized, and that's the name of Jesus. And, 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 and they've received the gift of the Holy Ghost, and they, they have been adopted into children of God. And so that's the Israelites. But you have David, which is he represents God's chosen there are are seeking him with all of their hearts, mind, body, and spirit. David kind of represents those who are, are fighting God, fighting or allowing God to fight the battles for them. And they're putting all their trust and all their faith and hope in God. That's the kind of people that David are. He represents the kind of people that we should be in this place, that I pray every day that we are in this place. And so <clears throat> you had Goliath. They chose Goliath, and, and, and now the Israelites had to choose their man. But Goliath would go out, and he went out and cried. It says in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 8, he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel. And said, so he would shout out to the armies of Israel, and he said unto them, Why are you come out here to set your battle in array. Why have you set up your armies ready, prepared for battle, he said. Am not I a Philistine and you servants of to Saul? Saul was the king at the time. And he says, choose you a man for you. He says, choose you a champion. I'm the champion of the Philistines. And he had this big old giant of a man. He says, you choose your man to come out and fight against me, he says. Choose you a man for you, and let him come down unto me, he said. And he said, if he be able to fight with me and kill me, then will, you, will we be, he said, the Philistines will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall you be our servants and serve us. This is how it went. This is how they did it. And the thing is, it's a giant of a man, nine foot, nine tall. You got to think that the average height of a man back in those days, the average height of a man nowadays, I think, is five foot nine or nine and a half. I don't know, somewhere in there, maybe five foot ten. We've gotten a little taller nowadays. Back in these th those days, it was probably average height was five foot five or five foot four was the average height of a man. Not very big. You got to think five foot, just say he was five foot four, and you're looking up at a man. I'm five foot nine, so they're probably about this high, and they're looking up a man that's almost twice their height. And I'm talking about he wasn't just tall. He was big and strong. And it tells us in the Bible that <clears throat> he was a man of war, that he was a veteran. So you know he had been strong, and he carried a, listen, he had a big old brass helmet, a big old uh, <clears throat> brass plate, and had brass uh, chain mail on, and he had uh, brass leggings. He had all this armor. I'm talking about it probably weighed as much as, the, the man, as a man standing in front of him, right? So he had to have been a big, strong man. He had a huge sword. He had to be a big, strong, powerful man. And who's going to want to go up against this man? If you're five foot five, say you're one of the tall ones of the Israelites. Say you're six foot tall, which would be tall for them back in that day. And you might stand, so I'm five nine. They might be standing up to about right here. That would be a tall man. And that they're looking up at David, and they're like, no way. I mean, at Goliath. They're looking at Goliath like, no way. I'm not. 
how could I beat this guy? He is huge. He is huge. So they were scared. They were scared to death of David. And we know in the scripture that it could go on for days. It could go on for several days. They, they would flex in front of each other, and they would negotiate, and, and they would choose their champion, and their champion would come out and say, where is your champion? And sometimes they might have had to go get their champion. Maybe it was a champion they were, that was not there at the battle, and it could take days. But it tells us in the scripture that he would come out for 40 days. 40 days they sat there. That shows you that they really did not want a battle if they didn't have to. Either side. They sat out there for 40 days, it says. And they heard Goliath come out every single day. He would come out there and he would yell out, come on, where's your man at? I'm ready. Send him out. And every day they would get no response because nobody wanted to go up against Goliath. Nobody. But we look in the scripture, and I'm summarizing a lot of this. I don't even have it up in my notes. But he would come out. Er, he would come out there every day for forty days. And after a while, David, who was at home tending his sheep, and Jesse, his father, Jesse came to da- or, or David came home one evening uh, from tending the sheep because he was still tending the sheep. He was a young man. He wasn't old enough to be in the army and he had brothers that weren't old enough to be in the army. They were at home taking care of things. And he was out there taking care of the sheep. One day he came home from taking care of the sheep and he came in and his father, Jesse said unto him, he said, David, I need you to do me a favor. I need you to take this bag of food. He had a bag of food with like, uh, I think he had corn in it. He had some, uh, bread and and some cheeses in it. He said, I want you to take this bag of food and I want you to take it out to your brothers at the battlefield. Take it down to them and and, and check on them. I want you to see how they're doing in the battle and and come back, report to me, tell me how they were doing. Remember, David's 15, 16, maybe 17 at the most. He's a young man, young man. And so the next morning, David got up. He grabbed the bag of of, of uh, goods, the uh, the um, what do you call it? What do they call it when they send you a care package? He took up the care package for his brothers, and he went down to the to the where the battlefield was. He rode. I think it said he was in a carriage. He rode a carriage down there um, with all the food that he was bringing to his brothers, and he went down there, went into the camp, and was looking around for his brothers, and and he saw a lot of. Uh, uh, soldiers around finally found where his brothers was and about that time it was that time of the day where guess who would come out and taunt the children of the the God's army right he would come out old Goliath come out there and he would say where's your man at I'm here ready to battle he would taunt them he was like don't you have anybody is there any one of you who isn't scared enough to come out and fight me, take me on? And he would just be taunting them and taunting them. And at that time, David hears this big old man out there yelling and, and shouting at the at the Israelites. And he asked, he said, well, who is this man? What is going on here? And they explained it to him. The soldiers explained it to him that, he, you know, whoever would defeat this man, they said, whoever could defeat this man. Now, they didn't even say, they didn't even consider that the man would defeat uh, the Israelite, yet they were all scared to death to go fight him. 
But they still didn't consider that the Philistine would defeat the Israelite. They knew that God would still deliver them one way or another. But they still didn't have the faith that David had. They did not have the faith that David had. But they didn't even mention what would happen if Goliath defeated their man, that they would be servants of the Philistines. They didn't even mention that. But what they did tell David is, whoever, whichever one of us Israelites can defeat that man, that he would be made great in Israel. And not only that, but King Saul would give him his daughter. And not only that, but his family would be free in Jerusalem forever. In other words, they would never have to pay taxes ever again. They would put him up that high. That's what they told David. And David was like wondering, this is what David was wondering, I think. I can imagine what he was wondering. He was wondering, like, why hasn't anybody gone out to fight him yet? I mean, man, if that's the prize that's promised to take him out, why haven't you guys gone out? I can imagine me even saying that. It doesn't say it in the scripture, but I can imagine him saying that. And I can imagine that the and the other Israelites would be would probably respond to him if he said that. Did you see this man? Do you see? I know we're far away and, and you can't really tell. But if you get up close to him, let me tell you, David, you're half his size. He would squash you like you were nothing. But David, he had faith. He had a lot of faith. Let me tell you, he was a man of God and a man of faith. <clears throat> and it says, and it says in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 32, And David said unto Saul, the king, he said, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant, he said, I, thy servant, will go and fight with the Philistine. David, this young boy. 15, 16, maybe 17 years old. I mean, can you imagine? I, I mean, I look at, I, I see a lot of 15, 16, 17-year-olds today, and, and some of them, I guarantee, are bigger and, and probably look stronger than David, um, and, and I couldn't imagine them going up against the giant today. But this young man said, I will fight this Philistine. And, and Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and a, and he a man of war, it says. He's a man of war, a seasoned veteran. It says he was a man of war from his youth. So he's a seasoned veteran. And, and you, Daniel, are just a boy who tends the sheep at your father's house. How are you going to go up against him? He said, thou art not able to go against this Philistine, he says. In verse 34, it says, and David said unto Saul, thy servant, meaning David, kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I, he said, David, I went out after him and smote him. And delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote and slew him. He killed the bear. He killed the lion. Couldn't imagine any young man, 15, 16, 17 years old today. 
biting and killing a lion or a bear. And then it says in verse 36, Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine, he said, this enemy of God shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. Praise God. That's a lot of faith right there. David had a lot of faith. I can't even imagine that that we were talking about faith this morning in children's church. We were talking about three other uh, young men of faith that took a lot of faith. We were talking about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It took them a lot of faith to defy the king and say they will not bow down to the false idol. And, and even though that the king said, we're going to throw you in the fiery furnace, yet they still did not bow down. That takes a lot of faith. It takes a lot of faith to go up against the giant. Praise God. David said in verse 17, uh, th- verse 37, David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, go, and the Lord be with you. So da- Saul said, okay, <laughs> you got a lot of faith, young man. I'm going to let you go and do it. And not only that, he gave him his armor. It says that Saul gave, put, gave him his own personal armor, put it on him, and, and he started to put the, they started to put the helmet on him and, and, and the, the uh, plate mail, all this stuff on him. And, and David was like, I can't fight like this. And let me tell you, how can you imagine Saul was a big man and David was a young boy. He was probably too big for him, for one. Another thing, he was not, I mean, he was a weak-looking young man. And, and, and so uh, I'm sure that it was hard for him to even wear this armor. And David's like, I can't wear this armor out to battle. And he just started, started taking it off. And instead of taking the armor out there, he decided, you know, he's got a sling right here. And he's got his staff. He had his staff when he tends his sheep. And he, and he walked over to the stream and he found five smooth rocks so that he could used for his sling so he had five of them he had a lot of faith let me tell you he grabbed those rocks put them in his pouch started walking out to the field and when he got out to the field the philistine goliath was standing out there and here comes david and i can imagine what the what goliath was thinking at first he probably thought well who's this young boy he must be coming out here to uh, carry something for the man that they're sending out to fight me. In verse 42, it tells us, and when, when the Philistine looked about and he saw David, it says when he realized that that's who they were sending out to fight him, it says that he disdained him. He looked down and he's like, this is what they send out to me? What is this? And it says, for he was but a youth. And it says, and a ruddy, he was scrawny. It said, and, and a fair countenance, it said. He looked like a young boy, like a mama's boy. That's what he was, a young man. Couldn't be 15, 16, 17 years old. And then we skip down to verse 43. And it says, and the Philistine said unto David, he said, am I a dog? 
that thou comest at me with a stick, because he had his staff with him, that comes at me with a stick, and the Philistine cursed David by his gods, it says, lowercase g, because they're false gods. Verse 44, it says, And the Philistine said unto David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the earth and to the beasts of the field. He said, I'm going to slay you, and I'm going to give your body to the animals and the birds, he said. Man. So this is when David met Goliath. What David sees here, or what Goliath sees here, is this scrawny little youth, this scrawny young man that has no chance to defeat him. I'm sure his confidence was way, way, way up here. He sees this young man coming out to fight him, and he's this big old veteran of war, a giant of a man, and he's like, this is going to be cake, no problem. So this is what Goliath sees when he meets David. But when David sees when he meets Goliath is he sees the enemy of God's chosen people. He sees the enemy and he knows that God has got his back. He knows that God will deliver him out of the hands of this giant. This is what happens when David meets Goliath. And and sometimes there's a lot of Goliaths, a lot of giants that come in our lives. And the giant, remember, the giant didn't represent the enemy. It was the situation that the enemy puts out before you. The Philistines are the enemy. The enemy isn't the people of the world. We don't fight against flesh and blood, but against the principalities of powers of darkness. So sometimes when people come in front of us and it seems like they're the enemy, they're just the situation that the enemy has put before you. Remember that. Amen. Remember that. And always look at it that way. Now, it tells us in verse 45. Then David. (coughs) Then David said unto the Philistine, thou come to me after 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 uh, after Goliath said that to David, you know, you come at me with sticks like I'm a dog. And he said, I'm going to kill you and give your flesh to the animals and the birds. And it says, David said unto the Philistine Goliath. He said, thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield. But I come unto thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. And we got to remember in the church today, we got to remember as God's chosen people that he fights our battles for us. We don't have to go into battle with a weapon, with a a sword or guns or whatever it is, because our God fights our enemies for us. He said, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. The God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. Verse 46, he says, This day will the Lord deliver thee into my hands, and I will smite you and take you, take your head from you, he says, and I'm going to give your body to the birds and the beasts of this earth. And then he says that. And he says that all in the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And then he said in verse 47, 
And all this assembly, everybody here, all these people on this battlefield that you see around you today, he said, all that are assembled here will know that the Lord saveth not with the sword and the spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you unto our hands. Praise God. That's the kind of faith we need. I'm here to tell somebody today, when your giant is standing before you, and we have different giants, every one of us, but we all have giants that are standing before us. All have giants, whether it's the spirit of fear that's attacking you, whether it's the spirit of addiction that might be attacking you today, no matter what it is in your life, no matter what giant stands before you, you've got to remember that God is there to fight with you for you. He will never leave you nor forsake you, and he will fight the enemy for you. Praise God. But we have to remember that. We have to also remember that the situation before us the person that might be coming against us, if it's flesh and blood, we got to remember that that is not our enemy. It's the principalities that, that controls them. Don't forget that. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against the powers against the rulers of darkness of this world, against the spiritual wickedness in high places. That is what we fight against. It's the principalities and the powers of darkness that are controlling the people. But we have to be obedient to God. We have to be obedient to God, and he will deliver us. It tells us that, that the enemy is under our feet. God will crush the enemy under your feet. If you look at Romans chapter 16, this is the ISV version. It says the same thing. <clears throat> Verse 19, Romans 16, 19. It says, for your obedience has become known to everyone. And I am full of joy for you, Paul says. But I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent and about what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. I'm here to tell you today that you've got power over the enemy. No matter what giant might be standing in front of you, like I said, whether it's addiction, whether it's the spirit of fear, whether whatever it might be that the enemy is thrown against you. Whether you're going through financial problems, no matter if you're going depressions, I'm depression, you're going through depression. I'm here to tell you that the enemy is under your feet, and God will crush the enemy under your feet. Praise God. God gives us power over the enemy. We got to realize that. We have to realize that in this place. I know that, that he, we all come here every Wednesday and Sunday, and we praise and we worship and we magnify God. And we, we've been baptized in the name of Jesus. We've repented of our sins, baptized in the name of Jesus. And we're serving God and we live for God. But we got to keep putting all of our trust in God. We got to have the faith that, Paul, that, that David had. We got to have the faith that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had. We got to have faith that no matter what the enemy throws in front of us, that God will deliver us. Because we are living in some tough times right now. That we have to, our children have to see and go through things that we never had to see and go through. 
They have to deal with things of the flesh and of this world that we never had to deal with more than ever today. And we got to make sure that they know and that we know we just got to have faith. God's going to deliver us from the enemy. Because God gives us power. When you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues, you have power. You've got power over the enemy. And God has put him under your feet. God gives power. He gives us power over the enemy. Luke chapter 10 says, Behold, Jesus said, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all, he said, over all the power of the enemy. Over all the power of the enemy. Whether it's Satan, whether it's his minions, any of his uh, the falling angels, whether it's the world, because that's our enmity, and it's an enmity with God, or whether it's your flesh, God has given you power over all the enemy, it says. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. You've got to have the faith. You've got to believe that God is who he says he is. And he'll do what he says he will do. And he says he will deliver you out of the hands of the enemy. Praise God. And I'm getting close to closing here. If someone wants to pull up some altar call music, try not to run too long. We got power, though. When you get the Holy Ghost, you get power. And if you ain't got the Holy Ghost today, I'm here to tell you the Holy Ghost is for everyone. It is for everyone. It's not just for them that were in the Bible. It's for everyone. We see in the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 38, uh, Paul stood up, the very first message he ever preached, and he said, when they asked him, what shall we do? And people are asking today, what shall we do all around us? What are we going to do? They're realizing that we're living in a world full of chaos and, 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 and just sin running rampant everywhere. And they realize it. And they want to know, what shall we do? And they asked Paul, what shall we do? And he said, you've got to repent. You've got to turn from sin and turn towards God. That's what repentance is. Not just saying, God, forgive me, and going, knowing that you're going to go back out and do it the same day. But repentance is truly desiring to not sin anymore and to live for God. So he said, you got to repent first. And then he said, be baptized in what? In the name of Jesus. Come on now. Not in the titles. He didn't say, oh, go you got to be baptized in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. No, he said you've got to be baptized in the name of Jesus. Everywhere in the Bible where somebody was baptized, they were baptized in the name of Jesus, not in the titles. Jesus is the Father. Jesus is the Son. He is the Holy Ghost. Jesus is God manifest in flesh. And then he said, be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins. Once you're baptized in my name, he said, your sins are washed away. Right? And then he says, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And like I said, remember I just said, there's people out there looking today, what shall we do? And they want to know what, and, and it's for this, and the Holy Ghost is for us today. Because he says, if you look at Acts chapter 2, Verse 39, go to the next one. 
Make sure I get this right. I know it. For the promise, he said, in verse 39, that following verse, for the promise, the promise of the Holy Ghost, the promise that God will manifest himself in you in the Holy Ghost, the promise is unto you, he said, you guys here today, everybody here today, he said, this promise is for you, but not only that, but it's, to, it's for your children too. But not only that, it says, and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. If you ain't got the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues, I'm asking you today, has God called you? Is he calling you? Is he calling you today? You can get the Holy Ghost today in this place. That promise, the Holy Ghost gives us power, though. When we're filled with the Holy Ghost, it gives us power. If you look at Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus said the last thing that he said before he went up to heaven. This is after he died, after the death, burial, and resurrection. And he was with the the 12 disciples and, and the hundreds of followers. He was with them. They saw him with his own eyes resurrected from the dead. That's how they knew this is God. And he said unto them, one of the last things he said to them is, but in verse Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he said, but you shall receive power. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you. That Holy Ghost power is what gives you the power to overcome the enemy. No matter what the enemy throws at you, no matter what giant comes before you. I'm here to tell you, when David met Goliath, he had faith. We got to have that faith today that God's going to do what he says he's going to do. He's going to deliver us out of the hands of the enemy because we got power. We got power to overcome. Romans chapter 12, verse 19. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, God says, and I will repay. Vengeance is God's. He will fight. For your battles, praise God. And I'm getting ready to close, I promise. Praise the Lord. So you want to go ahead and start playing some altar call music. <clears throat> Last scripture I want to share with you. Deuteronomy chapter 12. For the Lord your God is he that goeth with you. God goes with you everywhere you go. Everywhere you go, God is with you. For the Lord your God is he that goeth with you to fight for you against your enemies and to save you. I want to open up this altar this morning to every single person in this place and I want to invite you down to this altar this morning. And I want you to realize that it doesn't matter what the circumstance is, what the situation is in your life that the enemy keeps throwing at you. No matter what it is, it could be the spirit of depression, the spirit of fear, addiction, whatever it might be. I want you to know God wants to deliver you out of whatever it is. He wants to strengthen you today. He wants to be your shield and your buckler. He wants to be your redeemer today. I want to invite you down to this altar to lay down every single thing 
that is coming against you. Every situation that has come against you, I want you to lay them down at this altar. The altar is where you make a sacrifice. I want you to take the situations that's coming against you and I want you to lay them down at this altar and get ready to sacrifice them before the Lord because God is going to deliver you no matter what it might be. Oh, your Shekinah glory to be upon us in this place, God. Thank you for listening to Life UPC Richmond Hills Audio Cast. 